Welcome back to Giant Talk, the world's first OKR podcast. Today, Giant Talk is delighted to be joined by Dr. Harley Phoenix. Harley is Learning and Development Manager at Benchmarks and has a PhD in Behavioural Science. Today, Harley and I are going to talk about behaviours in leadership and how you can use behaviours to create a collaborative culture. So welcome to Giant Talk, Harley. I'm delighted to have you with us for today's episode. Before we get into today's topic, please can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself? Yes, of course. Um, well, as I said, um, I do have a PhD in uh, behavioural science, so I think it's quite nice to sort of learn how I ended up getting it, really. Um, I've always been involved in learning and development for, for many, many years, and um, I was always interested in how people work, what's going on in their heads from a training perspective. And um, so I started going, you know, on to do psychological qualifications and whatnot. Then I converted my degree. Um, Then I took the next step and then did more and then more. And I couldn't get enough of it. Um, I ended up in 2018 and the grand old age of 47, Mm -hmm. um, finally getting my PhD in behavioral science um, purely and utterly because I couldn't stop learning because it's just such a fascinating subject. Mm -hmm. And I've learned to use it in every shape of my life, from my personal life to my professional life um, as well. Thank you. It's definitely, definitely a fascinating subject and I'm, I'm interested to, to hear more. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation, but let's start by talking about behaviours in leadership. What are some distinct characteristics that add up to the common behaviours of a good leader? It's quite an interesting question, this one. Um, And there's so many different viewpoints on what good leadership looks like. Um, And I think as a a society, we're we're terrified to make mistakes. Um, I know when I've put out some um, leadership development courses, people go back after them thinking, well, what if I get it wrong? What if I'm not that person that I should be? Maybe I should listen more to my colleagues, collaborate more, all these great things that you should have as a leader. So for me, what makes a better leader is not only the listening, you know, the listening to your colleagues, the strategic thinking, that encouragement, that nurturing, that coaching. That's In fairness, you can Google Uh, search that and it will come up with the best characteristics of a leader fine but what about those times when we don't get it right okay so that's the bit that that I think for me um is is a really great characteristic characteristic of of a leader and I'll explain myself a bit more on that Um, I'm going to give a story actually Um, the other day I was at an event and um, as I was, uh, it was coming up to lunch and I was hungry um, and I get a little bit itsy when I'm a bit hungry. I think it's called hangry, but there we are. <laughs> so I was, I was kind of getting that. And um, finally, they opened up the uh, canteen to us all. There was 187 of us uh, in this meeting. So they opened up the canteen and I thought, you know, I want to get there first because I don't want to have to queue. So I got up, up out of my chair. And uh, and then went over and then a colleague came over to me to, to come and talk to me. And I, I basically dismissed that colleague and said, oh, no, I'm going to get some lunch. 
and uh, almost palmed them off. And as I was walking away, I noticed in the reflection of the glass door that they just looked really dejected and slumped and then sat down. So I then realised that my behaviour caused that reaction. Mm. So I had a choice. Either I could carry on and go and uh, to the canteen, get sort of one of the first places in the queue, get my food, and then go back to that person and say, sorry about that. Didn't mean anything by it. Or I could turn around and go back and talk to them and then, you know, end up in a, in a very long queue. I chose that one because for me, how I interact with other people and the relationship I have with my colleagues is more important. So I went back over and I said, Do you know what? I'm really sorry about that moment. I was just completely fixated on food. I said, I get a bit like hangry. I was trying to run to get there. What was it you wanted to talk to me about? She said, oh, I just wanted to take you through some ideas. I said, I'll tell you what, let me go and get some lunch and we'll sit down uh, and have a chat about your ideas. How does that sound? Said, Brilliant. And as I walked away, that person wasn't slumped. They were sat up in their seat like, yeah, someone's listening to me. This is great. Mm-hmm. And I think it's understanding that we as, as leaders don't always get it right. Yeah. And, and really embracing that, you know, it's, it's sort of understanding, do you know what? I'm going to have off days. I'm going to have a day where I'm upset about something. I'm going to have a day that I'm angry about something. But it's how you manage that with your team and, and that open and honest conversation that you can then have with them. I hope that makes a bit of sense because what I don't want to do is go down through the the, the, the Google search route of, okay, so a great a great leader listens. Yes, mm-hmm. great leaders do listen. Great leaders collaborate with with their with their team. They they you know really nurture the areas that they're not so good at, and coach them in the areas to greatness. You know that, that they're doing really really well. Um, but the point is, we don't always get it right, and when we don't get it right to have that safe environment where we can get it right, where we can get it wrong and allow others to get it wrong as well. Yeah. And I think that's really important to, like you said, to recognise that you you won't always get it right um, and not, you're not going to be perfect. And and I think you started that um, response there saying that we, you know, we, we, we want to be perfect and we, we think that everything can be perfect. But I think if you're acknowledging that there are, there will be times and there are times when you, you won't maybe get it, get it right or right first time um, and recognising that, that that's important. Um, so leading on to how those behaviours can create um, a collaborative workplace culture. Can you talk to us a little bit about that and what you can do as a leader to to create that culture? Collaborative culture um, is quite an interesting thing to me because, um, you know, I've I've been uh, involved in many cultures myself. Um, I'm currently in a a fantastic collaborative culture um, with my my current uh, job role. Um, Yeah. Okay. I know one of your podcasts was about psychological safety. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm just going to touch on that for just a second Um, because psychological safety within the workplace um, is, is 
part and parcel. It's paving the way for a collaborative culture. Um, I do have a team of people that I work with, and we have a, a very open sort of comms link to each other, if you want to put it that way, where we can be honest. Um, they can challenge. I can challenge. And if we're unhappy about something, we bring it into the group and, and we talk it through. Um, and that allows us to have a space that is trusted by all, which then gets the best out of the team. Um, I had a recent issue with, um, I say an issue, there was a problem with one of um, somebody that I work with, uh, used to work with, and they were having a problem with their own team and um, couldn't get the best out of them and didn't understand why. And I said, well, have you asked them? Have you asked your team why, you know, they're behaving in, in the way that they're behaving? She said, well, no, not really. It's a bit difficult. And I said, okay, why is it difficult? She said, well, we're not really talking very much at the minute. Oh, there's your problem. Mm. So essentially they were underperforming. Um, there was a sort of, I wouldn't say a toxic um, feeling about it, but it was starting to go down that road. So I said to, 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 my, colleague, to my friend, right, what you need to do is actually sit down and work out what's going on. People don't wake up in the morning and say, do you know what? I think I'll underperform today. You know, there's a reason for them displaying that behavior. Okay. So it's understanding. And I said, you could go into that, that, um, that meeting or that one-to-one, however you decide to do it and uh, do it as a one-to-one, don't do it as a team exercise because it needs to be one-to-one and each each individual needs to have their say. So with each individual, it's like, right, okay, let's have an honest conversation. Something's going on here. Let's talk about it together, okay? How do we get the best out of each other? How do we work well and better together? And you know what you'll find is that to begin with, people are going to be worried about talking. You know, they're going to be worried about, oh, do you know what? I don't think I don't think I could do this. I don't think I could be this honest. Then that means that you as a leader, you'd be honest about something. Do you know what? I've noticed that, you know, you haven't performed so well recently. Is everything all right? Is there anything I need to give you more of? You know, and then it opens it up, doesn't it? It's like, do you know what? Okay, I haven't done it because I'm having a really bad day, you know, time at home. I've not done this, I've not done this, whatever the issue is, it then becomes aired. Mm-hmm. You've given it airtime, so to speak. Um, then that, that uh, you know, the, the leader there can then turn around and say, okay, so how do we get through this? What do we do to bring out the best in each other? You know? Mm-hmm. And you know what? Quite often it's one of two things, or if not both, support and communication. I need more support. I'm, I'm really struggling with this. Okay, let's work on this with you. I need to be part of the group. I need you to tell me what's going on. Okay, let's have weekly meetings. And you know what? Once you've created that safe zone for them and you know how each and every one of your members of staff wants to be spoken to, what they want, what they need from you, what they need from others, it then becomes, right, okay, we've got everything we need. 
then it starts becoming a collaborative culture because there's it's built on trust and 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 the conversations that you've had and that you will have in the future yeah I think um the honesty and trust and communication are are all as you said key things to to build that collaborative culture you you want people to come forward with you know ideas and feel and to have that safe space and openness where they can rather than sitting and probably you know thinking um you know what will happen if I say this or if there's a a fear of I don't know maybe their idea will be be shut down on the flip side if you have that open space where your team and your employees can feel that there won't be any um of that um around um I think then that definitely helps build that yeah um the culture and um there's probably people listening I've been in those sort of situations and, and like I said support is such such a key word and I think it's important as you mentioned you don't have to have the the, the conversation with your your employee that like, they could be having problems at, at home or, or difficulties mm-hmm. with their workload it doesn't have to be um in front of the whole team um you know one-to-one one-to-one just don't so important to have to, to approach those those the issue um I think yeah definitely well, exactly the thing is it's like with every every person that I've ever worked with I would say probably more so in the last eight years um I will always have the conversation say okay it's lovely to meet you I'm Harley you're Emma whatever and it's like okay how do we work together how do I how do we get the best out of each other let's have a chat about that how do you want me to treat you you know because some people like to have it you know, like like a bit of fluff around things, like the you know to be sort of nurtured. Some people just like want it as it is. Some people just need you to be assertive with them. And it, do you know what? That's all about how you both sort that out. And I've had some of the best workplace relationships based on literally communicating with each with each um, person in the team and saying, you know, how, how do we go about this? What do we do? How do we get the best out of each other? And for me, it's how we manage these moments that makes or breaks us as leaders and how we open up, um, a, a, not necessarily a collaborative culture, but a great culture, great working culture that you're going to get the best out of your team because there's that that trust instilled in you. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and those open lines of communication, so to speak. Absolutely. And we spoke before um, when we had a pre-podcast call catch-up about the different types of workplace cultures. Um, And I thought it would be good if you could go through those with our listeners. I know there's a lot of talk about toxic cultures and and things like that, but um, it was really interesting for me for you to go through that there's four um, different types. I thought it would be good if we could share those and, and, and talk a little okay. bit about the differences okay um so it depends on where you look in fairness you can read multiple amounts of books or uh you know go onto the internet and see loads of posts and whatnot um about different cultures but for me it's all about four um and i'll take you through those four so my first one is the market culture Um, So that's invariably a business that's all about 
you know, it's, it's normally commission structures. You got it's all about the money, all about right. We need to get the sales in the door. We need, um, you know, a lot of uh, bums on seats, so to speak. Let's get everyone in. Let's let's get out there. Let's take out the opposition. Um, I, you know, and it's a real marketing push um, for commission, money, 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 money. And it can be good. It can be bad. It depends. Um, I know, uh, I don't mean it from a bad perspective, but Amazon um, are a marketing culture. Um, they, you know, are very much into, you know, controlling a lot of the market. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's all about sales and how fast people can get deliveries done and everything like that. So it's a very um, ideal look at what a market culture is. Um, so I'm going to go on to the next one. The, the next one is um, ad hocracy. Um, and this is my personal favorite, but it's it's mainly sort of startups, I would say, startups, uh, small businesses. And what I mean by ad hocracy is kind of the people that are, you know, employed are basically given, you know, a free reign. Right. OK, just come up with some great ideas. OK, what are we going to do? Let's just open it up. Let's be creative. Let's think outside the box. Let's let's think differently. Okay, but you quite often find that that is, is, as I said, a a startup or a business within its first two, three years of of going, you know, because as soon as a business gets bigger, they will drop into one of the other different Mm -hmm. types of culture. Um, Plan culture um, is about, you know, a nurturing workplace. So if I was part and parcel of, of, of a clan culture, I would be coaching and nurturing my staff. I would have my direct line manager that would be coaching and nurturing me to be the best version of ourselves. Um, and it's all about that family feel, you know, and, and getting the best out of everybody in there. And it sounds like really idyllic. Um, the downside to clan culture is that there's less marketing there. They focus more on the person in the business than on the actual business itself. Okay, so there's there's a, you know it's it's weighing it up. Yeah. Uh, lastly, the hierarchy uh, culture. So the army, the navy, you know, air force. Uh, that's a hierarchy. You know, someone has to report to another person. There's a, a rank a you know, a progressive rise of people from, you know, the top, the director, the senior manager, the manager, you, however that looks for any of you, but you have to report into that person and it's really run on, on that kind of thing. You can't make a decision without going to the next person up. Okay. Um, So they're the four different types of, of culture for me. Um, And my ideal culture would be to have a little bit of all of them in, you know. Um, everyone needs somebody to report to. So you're always going to have an element of hierarchy. You know, I report into somebody above me. Mm-hmm. You know, they report into somebody probably above them. Okay, so we all need that 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 sort of structure because otherwise it would be chaos, you know. You need that clan culture. Um, I'm very... I'm a big believer of the clan culture. I mean, um, I've got an incredibly nurturing boss and I nurture my people that that, that report to me. Um, so we do have that. Um, but with the clan culture, and I think it's, it's great when you nurture and you coach someone, but it's a two-way street. You know, you should be going 50%. They should be coming 50% back at you. 
And I think people sometimes forget that and they over-nurture, they over-coach, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. The adhocracy, um, the culture, you know, let's think differently. Um, because we work in, or because I work in in the L&D industry, you have to think differently. Everything's changing. Yeah. Um, you know, there's lots of trends going on out there, but how do you find out what the trends are? So we have uh, about three hours per month where we shut off the computer we shut everything down. We don't even answer our emails. We sit in a room together, lots of whiteboards around us. We've got one computer, which is not linked to our emails, where we can have a look at the internet and we look at trends in the industry. We come up with ideas. We think, okay, this is not working. Okay, how do we get it working? What can we do? So we give ourselves that creative space. So it's a little bit of adhocracy. Mm-hmm. You know, we're just thinking differently. Uh, market culture, every business needs money. You know, so we need to be able to push that the company in a way that is is creating, you know, a lot of money coming in. Um, But it needs, you know, every company should have a little bit of each of those in to make it work really well and to be the best at what they can be. Um, If if it's just predominantly hierarchy, market, advocacy or clan, it's not going to work because there's always going to be a, a, one of those that's missing. Yeah, it's interesting how you've just gone through and, and, and spoken about having a little bit of each because when you was explaining each one, I was thinking, you know, it sounds ideal to, to have a little bit of each one to help. How does that work? Um, and the the way that you come together and and. and share ideas and like you said shut your emails down and, and yourself off um to to look at trends and with everything and it's just fast moving and you know making from digital marketing the amount of new trends um weekly that you have to um to look at so I think having that collaborative um culture yeah. to be able to, to to share ideas with with the team as um is important that creative space um, and I was just thinking also, inevitably, inevitably in um, an organisation, whether it's um, in your in your team um, and those that you you manage, or maybe across um, other leaders, you will have individuals that aren't as motivated or collaborative mm-hmm. um, for various reasons that I know we've, we've touched on um, in the beginning of the podcast. And I was just wondering what anyone listening can do as a leader themselves to try and sort of change the behaviours of, of others, whether it's another leader or an employee that maybe aren't as collaborative. Okay. Um, like I, I think I mentioned earlier about the two things that are the downfall of mm-hmm. most cultures and, and leadership values are support and communication. Mm-hmm. So if I had a team member that was just not collaborative, not really working with the team, I've got to find out what that, why they're displaying that behaviour. That's a conversation. It's just a conversation. Do you know what? Sometimes it helps if you take them outside the business. Yeah. Go and have a coffee in a coffee shop. You know, because you're taking them away from the thing that's stressing them out and putting them into a, a safer zone so to speak. And, and it shows you 
as a leader that you care, you care enough about that person to want to have a chat, but also to take them out of the situation and really get to know them, you know, and, and allowing for honesty um, and, and whatnot. So that, that's what I would do. I would, I would have the conversation. Okay, so talk to me, you know. I can see things aren't going so well for you. Talk to me. Take me through what's going on. You know, and create that safe environment in the fact that, you know, whatever you say to me right now stays with me and you. I want to get to know you, you know, what's happening with you, you know, talk to me. And um, how are you? How do you feel? People are quite emotive creatures. So asking them how do they feel and how are they is is a good uh, way to sort of build that little bit of rapport to to open them up, to have that conversation about why they're displaying those behaviours. And then it's a case of, okay, so they're displaying that behavior. How do we change that? What do we do to change that behavior? What do you need from me as a leader to help you? You know, because then you're showing them that, okay, I'm still caring, but also what what, what can I give you that, that's going to help you perform better? You know, sometimes it might be um, they, they're working too many hours. They might want to go down to part-time. You know, um, they want to do a job share. They're just finding it really stressy at the minute. They're working on multiple projects. It's like, okay, so you're working on multiple projects. Right. Okay, let's make you the, you just run on that one. And what we'll do is we'll, we'll get someone in to help you on this one, or I'll take that one off of you and, and you know, uh, give it to somebody else. What would you prefer me to do? And always keep them involved. They're making the decision as much as you are as a leader. Okay. What do you see as your way of, 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 of getting out of this behavior? You know, what do you, what do you think needs to happen? And, and, and it creates, as I said, uh, again, um, that, that level of honesty and trust, and you'll get the truth. And you know what, if, if at first they're not being quite forthright and not saying anything, it's just a case of repeat yourself. And I always say this to a lot of people on my own webinars, don't be afraid of the silence. So if you ask someone a question, like, you know, you know, what, what, what do you think you, you need uh, to be able to, you know, change behaviours? Stop. Literally embrace the silence because you've asked a question and that person might need a little bit of time to think. Okay. But also by creating that silence, um, it's it, it does become a bit awkward. A lot of people find the silence awkward. Don't find it awkward. Well, you're going to find it awkward, but but keep it going. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, you're asking them a question. They need to respond to you. Yeah, and I you think um, it's a good, I guess, I don't want to call it a tip, but what you mentioned about taking them out of the environment. Yeah. Um, maybe, that you know, it could be that that's causing the issue or if it's something might be something that if it's not workload and it's not you know working on multiple projects um could be something happening externally outside of work but they're not wanted to talk about that you know with their um line manager at the time so I think um it's a good way where they might open up more like you said you know in a coffee shop or um somewhere away from their work environment um when we spoke before, um, something that you mentioned that I thought was quite interesting to, to touch on today was 
um, the issue around how important body language is, um, as I'm talking with my hands at the moment, um, and you can tell what's going on um, in a person's head by their body language. It's something that um, I was really interested um, to hear a little bit more about. Um, how can you? How can this help leaders or, or line managers? Um, I guess the issue, not the issue, but the subject of, of body language. Okay, well, for me, I can, I'll take you through it from my perspective on how I, I use it. Um, I can tell when somebody is um, not feeling okay, stressed out, um, not, not at their best, closed, you know, and whatnot, ill. Um, you can... Especially, you know, going back onto the previous question, when you're having um, these talks with your staff and, and trying to bring out the best in them and find out why they're displaying behaviours, if you've got somebody with their arms uh, closed and they're they're rubbing their arm, I'm doing it now as I'm speaking to you, <laughs> they're rubbing their arm or what have you or playing with their hair. Um, you know, all, all this sort of, it, it's called self-pacifying behaviour. We, um, we we close our arms. We could be closing our arms because we're cold. So it quite often comes in multiples. So what I mean by that is they will display multiple pieces of body language, like their arms are closed, they're rubbing their arm, they can't look you in the eye, their feet are facing away from you, whatever. Um, so look for multiples rather than just one. Um, but if they're starting to sort of, you know, rub their arm up and down or playing with their hair or rubbing, you know, just, uh, you know, it's, 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 as I said, it's called self-pacifying behaviour. And the reason we do this is because we are not feeling comfortable. OK, when we don't feel comfortable, we don't like it as human beings. So what we're trying to do is re-enact what our mothers used to do to us between the ages of three and five. When if we fell over on the road outside our house, we'd run in go, mum, 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 like that. And your mum would sit, sit you on your knee and just rub your arm, go there, 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 there. And what we do in our brains is take ourselves back to that moment because it makes us feel comfortable. So essentially that thought process that's going on, that's unconscious thought that's going through your head, leaks out into your, your body and then becomes a pacifying behaviour. So when I've got somebody doing that in front of me, I immediately think, okay, they're not feeling comfortable. I need to make them feel comfortable. So um, I will then, you know, sort of make a point of saying, do you, um, do you want to grab a cup of tea? Should we just stand up a minute, uh, you know, get a cup of tea? Because it stops that behaviour. And they're like, yeah, 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 yeah. If they don't want to stand up, it's like, do you want a cup of tea? Should we get a cup of tea? Or, you know, do you, do you want me to get you one? You know, those kind of things. Um, because then it starts to make them feel comfortable taking the conversation off track and then back in again. Mm -hmm. You know, um, so also if uh, the one thing I say to pretty much everyone I know and webinars that I've done previously is the one indicator that we all forget to look at is the feet. OK, so if you're talking to somebody, if you have a meeting with somebody, if it's a sales meeting, you're trying to get a sale from somebody. If you've got somebody in front of you that you kind of think might be a potential partner, anything like that, look at where their feet are. Now, it sounds a bit daft. It really does sound a bit daft. But, 
you know, we as a body language expert, we know that that certain things that you do with your hands, your head, your eyes, where you look, everything like that makes, you know, can make or break a conversation. But people forget to look at the feet. If somebody is really interested in what they're saying, both of their feet is going to be pointing directly at you. Okay. Quite often someone must stand with their weight on one foot, which is pointing towards you, and the other one will be pointing away. Look at where that foot is pointing to, because normally it's pointing towards the door, which means that they want to walk away. They're not feeling comfortable. Okay, if someone's crossing their legs and both of their feet are completely the opposite direction to you, look at where their feet are pointing to. We are subconsciously thinking to ourselves, I want to get out of here and our feet will go to the nearest door or the nearest exit. You know, so for me, it's, it's look at where the feet are. I know if you sat down at a desk, that might be a little bit weird if you're looking under the desk <laughs> and trying to see where the feet are situated. Mm-hmm. If you're stood having a conversation with somebody, you know, see where the feet are pointed. It's, it's, it's quite, because then if you know that if they're interested or not interested, you can then change the tact in that conversation and bring their feet to you. Quite often, if I'm talking business with a colleague or what have you, and invariably, if they're in a rush and they've got to go to a meeting or something like that, you'll find that one foot will be pointing towards you, one other foot be away from you. So they're like, I really want to talk to you, but I've got to go. Mm-hmm kind of thing so I'm like okay let's have a chat let's talk later let's set some timing if I'm talking to a colleague uh, about an issue or a one-to-one or a performance issue a behavioral issue or what have you and they they're displaying their folded arms of pacifying rubbing of the arms playing with their hair and their feet are pointing away from me I know that they're a not feeling comfortable and that they are completely closed off to the conversation so um, for me as a leader, I've then got to change that behavior in them by changing my behavior. Because what I'm saying, um, what I'm doing and how I'm interacting with that person is not, it's not working for them. So I need to change my tact. Mm. And quite often, if somebody really trusts you and you have that open conversation with them, as I previously stated, um, and you're sat there with your with your um, arms open, you're 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 completely clear of any obstacle in your your middle from your nose down to the tops of your legs. It's completely clear of obstacles. Then once they feel comfortable, they will start to mirror you, and they will open up. And then when they talk to you, they will use their hands. They will they will mirror everything that you do. And then all of a sudden, their feet will start sort of looking towards you. They might shift their their posture and 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 cross uncross and cross their legs and then their feet are pointing at you they're open and you know you've got them but sometimes I think it's it's knowing if somebody's acting that way in front of you there's a reason for it and as a leader it's understanding that they're doing that for a reason you know no one just decides as I said before to get out of bed and display a certain uh, behavior just for giggles they do it for a reason, and it's understanding why they're doing it. And, and don't be afraid to challenge or ask the question. I notice that you don't feel really comfortable. What, what, what will make you a bit more comfortable? Mm. You know? I think it's, it's fascinating, and I think we could definitely get into a whole podcast <laughs> on that by the sounds of it. It is, it's fascinating. It's something that um, I guess many people don't, don't think about obviously with um I mean <laughs> not going looking under 
tables that people choose and on zoom and things like that it's um you, you can't look at that but in terms of I was thinking about you know myself I can go home um and having one-to-ones with with you know my direct line report um and how important it is to have you know cameras on zoom if 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 it's, it's you work um fully remote or whether you work hybrid I think it's important to then to, to see those um I guess cues body language um because otherwise you, you you can't really tell I guess you can from maybe a, a tone tone of voice but I think mm-hmm. it's um it's something that people can look out for um when having those conversations with absolutely with their team um it's really interesting I didn't know the um the feats and as you said um it sounds quite peculiar doesn't it but that when you actually explain it um I now want you know a face-to-face meeting to <laughs> look at people's um feet I think it's um it's, fascinating. It is, it's, it's the one thing that we all forget to look mm-hmm. at and yeah. and I had uh, a friend that was not doing particularly well on the dating front mm-hmm. and I said okay she, she, she always ended up having conversations with 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 people that weren't really that interested and I said okay what I want you to do so the next time you go out on a, on a date just have a look at where a person's feet are mm-hmm. if they're facing towards you they're interested in you if their feet are facing away from you you know, and not, not, not towards you, look at where their feet are pointing to. And it's either going to be a clear space, a door, the exit out. Okay. Note that and note that they're not interested and move on. There you go. Not just tips on um, (laughs) culture, but also (laughs) dating tips. (laughs) Um, I like to end with a lasting tip or piece of advice for our listeners um to take away from the podcast and I wondered if you could give our listeners a piece of advice on leadership behaviors or something they can think about um to become a better leader you've already given us lots of um useful um, things to think about if there's one thing that you'd like to end with what would that be oh okay um put you on the spot here no, 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 it's, it's, mm. it's good. Do you know what? Know your audience. Mm. So those three words have really echoed for me throughout mm. my career. And what I mean by that is each person that you have an interaction with are different. They're going to have different needs. They're going to display different behaviours. Um, and, and the conversation is going to be different. So if you know that and you know that each individual will need a tweak here or there, as in how you come across to them, you will then start to understand your own behaviour and how that interacts with that other behaviour. So um, I know that sometimes when I display a behaviour, it changes behaviours in my team. You know, mm-hmm. so it's, it's understanding that and understanding that your audience will have different needs And by understanding that your audience has different needs, you will then understand your behaviour sometimes creates other behaviours. And it's understanding that link for me. I think that's a fantastic um, 
piece with the wives, especially thinking of a leader and their, and their team, they won't all be carbon copies of each other. They will have their different um, needs and, and how they, they each feel and respond to <laughs> to you. So I think that's um, a really good piece of advice to, to end the podcast on. Thank you so much for joining us on Giant Talk, Holly. It's been really, really interesting to talk to you. And um, there's lots that any leaders or even um, employees thinking about their own behaviours um, can take from the conversation. Um, and I think it would be interesting to do a separate um, episode on, on body language. It's so fascinating and we've just touched, I think, scratch the surface on that. So. Thank you, Harley, and thank you to you, our Giant Talk listeners. As always, if you have, have any feedback or it's anything you'd like to hear on the podcast, you can get in touch with us by emailing growth at therebegiants.com. Thank you again, Harley. Thank you. Bye-bye.